Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Well, hello everybody. It's good to be with you, to be in your home, and to bless you in the Word of God. I was asked some weeks ago, on this morning, would I please speak about Emmanuel, God with us. So that's been on my mind for a little while, and I was thinking, how shall I approach this tremendous theme of the living God becoming a human being and living among people? Uh, And in my morning devotions, I was just working through John's Gospel and came to John chapter 11, where we find that Jesus was in a home that he often visited. It just says simply that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and this home in Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem. He was often in Jerusalem, and this was a kind of retreat place. He often went there. So these people knew what it was like to have God with us in our home, God in our little place, living with Jesus, experiencing his love, encountering him in so many ways. And I felt, hey, this is a great place for us to look at how God was with people in their lives. So I'm going to read to you from John 11. It's quite a long chapter, so I'm going to kind of jump in and through it. You needn't try and follow me because I'm going to leave out bits, but I'll carry the essential story. So John and chapter 11. There was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some were saying, couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be a stench, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I say to you that if you believe, 
you'll see the glory of God. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbound him, let him go. Holy Spirit, just enter every home. Come be with us as we reflect on this word together. Let your truth come to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you first of all then about his awesome presence. That Jesus was there in their home. I guess they got used to his sometimes turning up, this, this one full of love and kindness and wisdom and tenderness. He, he often came, they could say he, he loved us. They knew that. We have three years of life of Jesus, just the details are recorded, but he must have frequently been there. I just want to give you two glimpses of what it was like to have Jesus in this particular home. Perhaps the one that we know most well is recorded in Luke and chapter 10. Believers who are familiar with the Bible know the story of Martha and Mary. When we find that Jesus is there one day and Martha is working hard because I guess Jesus would normally have had like a dozen guys with him. And when he turned up, boy, there's work to be done. There's cooking to be done, preparation to be done. And we find that there's this, this, this day when Martha is working, serving, and her sister Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach, listening to his word. And, and, and Martha just has had enough of this. And in the end, she just complained. She said, Jesus, look, look, tell her, tell her to help me. And you get this kind of reprimand, this gentle reprimand from Jesus. No, no, Martha, you are troubled about many things. She's, she's chosen the better part. She knows what she's doing. Look, God is in your home. God is with us. Martha, you've kind of forgotten the, the enormity. You see, she did know who she was, who he was. We read in the passage that when he came, he said, do you believe? She said, you're the Christ. You're the one we were waiting for. She knew this is the Christ, the Son of God, and yet she's got her back to him. She's working at the sink. She's working at the table, and, and Mary's just overwhelmed. This is God in my home. She's sitting at his feet, and, and do you know it's possible? You can know Jesus, and yet you can kind of have your back to him. You can just be busy. It's the thing to do, isn't it? You serve him, don't you? You serve him. Just get on with things. And sadly, she's not only serving, but she's getting kind of resentful that her sister's not serving. You know, dear friends, as you take that stance, I just serve God. It's very easy to let horrible little attitudes creep in. Why isn't she serving? Why am I, why am I left to do this on my own? And you can know the living God is in your home and yet completely miss it and just get busy. And, and even resent other sisters, brothers. She really needed to learn something. Mary was playing the better part. Jesus is in my home. God is here. Everything else is secondary. The Bible says God is seeking worshippers. Does he find a worshipper when he comes to your home? People have just seen the wonder of this. God is in my home. God has come amongst us. She just wanted to listen. And she got the affirmation from Jesus. 
Jesus said, she's the one that's got it right. Mary thought, no, 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 she's got it right. God is in your home. You know God. Give him your time. Give him, let, listen to him. You're going to hear amazing things from him. Do you make sure you're listening to him often? That's the first little picture we get in this home. The second one is actually even a bit more ex extraordinary. It's in the very next chapter, John 12, where we find there's a day Jesus is again at their home. And, and we read this extraordinary thing that Mary took a container of perfume, smashed it, and poured it over Jesus. I mean, this says that, that the fragrance filled the whole house. I don't know about you, but it's rather lovely when you walk past the lady sometimes. You know, you could be within maybe a few feet and you catch the fragrance of her perfume. It's beautiful. You think, wow, that's lovely. I love that. This perfume filled the house, filled the whole house. And it says it was worth 300 denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wages. That's how much a workman would have earned in a day, one denarii. This was worth 300. It's like a year's salary. Hey, think about that. Think about that. She lavished a year's salary on Jesus. Just, I mean, what a waste. What a terrible waste. And that's what Judas said. Judas Iscariot said, this is a terrible waste. Think how many poor people could be helped. And Jesus said these absolutely amazing words, actually. He said, the poor you'll always have with you. Extraordinary thing. It's like an outrageous thing to say. The Bible is so full of caring for the poor. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. What she's done is great. What she's done is great. Again, you see, we've got God with us. No wonder the angels went crazy. God is visiting the planet. This isn't some bloke who's turned up. It's not just some teacher. God is in our home. And she's kind of crazy about it. People who've met Jesus get kind of crazy about it. They get excited. I know God. He's in my home. He's in my life. And she squanders a whole year's salary just in one moment. And not only that, outrageously, she undoes her hair. Now, we need to understand something of that culture, that for a girl to uncover her hair was outrageous. Actually, you always have your hair covered. There are some religions that still do that. Always have your hair covered. And, and it was actually on the wedding night that the husband would first see her hair. It's a kind of amazing thing. A man could divorce his wife if she was seen in public with her hair loosened. This is an outrageous thing. It's a shameful thing. I mean, she's just so taken up with Jesus. Maybe while she's listening at his feet, while others were busy, she understood something that's going to happen. Because he often spoke about he was going to go to a cross. And it says the disciples didn't even hear it. But Mary sat at his feet, listened, listened. Maybe she understood something even more shameful was going to happen soon. Not just hair loosened out. He's going to be hanging on a cross, stark naked, before the world to stare at him. That's how he's going to express his love. God coming right down as low as you can get to hang on a Roman cross where men hung naked for people despise and spit on. That's how he's going to show his love. That's how he's going to come and deal with our greatest problem. So here's a couple of glimpses 
into this home, this home where, where God was with them. I mean, it's not a casual thing. It's not just, oh, turn the other cheek. This is phenomenal. God is with us in our home. That's one of the things they experienced. There's two little glimpses of what it was like. It's provocative to have God around. It changes your value system. It makes you think differently about a year's salary. It makes you think differently about devotion, what really matters, and what it is to be shameful. It just deals with your deepest values to know Jesus and to have God in your home. So let's just move on from that to my second heading, if you like, his perplexing absence. Right, so we, we have this wonder of his being here, but the story we've just read starts with this man whom you love is sick, and some big questions arise. Where's Jesus? I mean, this looks bad. He's beginning to decline. And these two loving sisters see their brother declining, growing more and more ill. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And so they send someone, and someone finds him, and it says quite strangely, he stayed two days longer where he was. It's not like, you see, there's there's mystery in this. God loves us, God's for us, but God's bigger than us. He's not just at our beck and call. There are mysteries in God. Great is the mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. It's a mystery. It's a wonder. He doesn't just come into our terms. It's God. And he waited two days. What are you doing? And then he begins to come. You think, the question, where, where's Jesus in this terrible year that we've been going through? And some of us have hit huge crises. Will we be able to get married? Will anybody be able to come to our marriage? Oh, we've had death. No one can even come. It's been a hard year. And these questions come, where's Jesus? Question, when's he going to come? When is he coming? This terrible stance of where, where is he going to come? When's he going to come? You say you love us, but why? These huge questions like, where is he? When's he going to come? And you find that when Jesus turns up, both the sisters ask him the same question. It's like we've been, they've been saying this to one another. If he had been here, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died, but you weren't here, you didn't come. Why? Probably why is the hardest question. Some of us go through life and think, Lord, why? And those of us who know him can even go through times where you think, I don't know if I know him at all. This God is with us. Where is he when it really matters? Maybe you've been through a time like that this last year. Where is he when it really matters? He was absent. He wasn't there. Why? That's the deep, deepest question that we can ask. Why on earth did that happen? And many of us have been through big tragedies, terrible tragedies. Why? It's wonderful that this God who became flesh and dwelt among us, he knows about the why question. On the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The huge where, when, why? This comes into this experience of knowing God, God with us. Times when, hey, he's not just at my beck and call. He's not just the genie in the lamp. Hey, come on, come on, jump, do it for me. No, no, he's not like that. He's greater than that. He will do stuff we don't understand. 
Two chapters later, you'll find Jesus with his disciples, and you find this sentence, what I do now, you don't know. Afterwards, you'll understand. That's how it's been for me sometimes. I think, Lord, what? Afterwards, think, oh, I see. I see. I didn't at the time, it just hurt so much. Why did that happen? And for some of us, beloved, it'll be when we get to glory. And in this life, we, we won't have the answer. We just won't have it. We just live with the pain. But Jesus would say to us, what I'm doing, what I'm doing now, you don't understand. Later, you will understand. He does come to shed light in the darkness. But sometimes we just got to believe he's the promise keeper. He will keep his word. We hold on to him through perplexing absence. But let's move on to the next heading, his magnificent arrival. Yeah, he does turn up. Jesus arrives on the scene. I can't imagine the sense of wonder. He comes striding into the scene. I just see some things here about having God with us that's in the story. The first thing I notice is this. He is immediately accessible. You find Martha runs out to him and says, why didn't you come? Where were you? She kind of starts complaining at him. Now, I've read a beautiful book this morning. Some people have said, or this year rather, some people have said this is the best book they've ever read. It's just called Gentle and Lowly, Meek and Lowly. It's just called Gentle and Lowly, and it's about Jesus. It's the most beautiful book, just taking you through some of the ways in which Jesus demonstrated his pure character. And let's notice this. Martha was free to come to God and say, why? Where were you? You see, Jesus wasn't with these guys, one of these people that you think, oh, I can't ask him. Okay, just take it on the chin. Who, who would dare to speak to him? No, you can speak to him. He's accessible. You can come to him. You say, Lord, what's this all about? You're allowed to say it. He's gentle. There's no sense of he's got presence there. You're, you're not allowed to come. No, you can ask him. You look at the Psalms, in the, the book of Psalms, again and again, they're saying, Lord, what's this all about? This is the wonder of having God, whom you know, you can ask him questions. In fact, he would like you to. He doesn't want us to say, oh, well, who can understand? No, come and ask. Why, what was that all about? It's interesting, Martha asks the question, a little later, Mary asks the same question. Well, what? He is accessible. You can come to him where he is. Into, into that mystery, into that kind of, Lord, it's, he's so gentle. It's this extraordinary thing. We've been singing this great song. He's a lion of Judah, and he's a lamb. And this is the, the mystery of God. He's a lion roaring, and a lamb gentle, all in one. We love that about Jesus. He's marvelous. He's magnificent. He's a lion and a, he scares the life out of you. But he's also as gentle and accessible and kind and loving. And so first of all, yeah, I can, I can come to him. He's so easy to approach. But then come these words. Your brother will rise again. And she says, yeah, well, I know one day in the future, at the end of time. No, no, no. He says, he will rise today. I mean, this is why this story is in the Bible. There are a number of amazing things that Jesus did 
And in John's Gospel that we read from, they're called signs. They're kind of evidences that this is more than a teacher. It's more than a healer. He did things that no one else but God could do. He did phenomenal things that a man born blind could see. Lepers were cleansed. Lame people are running around. Deaf people are hearing. Where it says crowds came to hear him. He did phenomenal signs. There's a storm that looks like it's going to kill everybody. I mean, these are experienced fishermen. They think, that's it, we're finished. And he says, shush, it stops. <gasps> Whoa. And it says, they said, who is this? That even the sea and the storm obeys him. They're with God. God's with them. He can stop storms with a whoosh. It's all over. This is God on earth in a human frame. God as a man. And sometimes this roaring lion comes out. This storm thinks, I'll take him. It's the end of the storm. And Jesus comes on the scene. And this last of his seven signs, he did many miracles. John, John calls seven of them signs. They're telling us who he is. Because he he's master of life and death. This is God. God with us. And then I want to show us a couple of little insights, amazing things it says. In verse 33 and 38, it says, our Bible say he was deeply moved. Now I've been looking at this and researching. This is fascinating that the scholars, the, the, the Bible authorities, the guys who handle Greek, they say this, no stronger word could be used to describe the emotion he was feeling. And although the Bible translates he was deeply moved, it would be better translated, he raged inwardly. He raged inwardly. It's the same word that's used to describe the snorting of a horse, a kind of cavalry charging horse. A horse that's kicking the ground, waiting for the battle. It starts snorting. It's kind of, they, get, they want to fight. And that's the, that's the very word that's used elsewhere, snorting horse. That's what he was experiencing. He's kind of furious. That lion's roaring. What is, what's going on here? Well, Calvin says this, the famous John Calvin says, as a champion who prepares for conflict, like a warrior preparing for the contest, like a couple of boxers getting ready, getting ready. Like, like David comes on the scene and there's Goliath. He says, who is the uncircumcised Philistine? I'll have his head off. That's that kind of militancy. That's what Jesus is going. It's like Jesus, the Son of God, is confronting the horror of death, its devastation, its tragedy, its heartbreak, how it spoiled his father's world. He's face to face now with death. I'm going to deal with this. This is a roaring lion. It's like, ah, enough of this. He's, he's stirred profoundly within. It says in 1 John 3, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came on the scene for, to deal with death, our biggest enemy. Our biggest enemy, the one we're all going to face. You're going to face death. I'm going to face death. It's the biggest enemy that's approaching every one of us. Jesus is angry with the tragedy that it brings, the sadness, the horror, 
the tears, the weeping, the loss. It was never God's plan. God said at the beginning, oh, I want to bless you, I want to bless you. But if you do this, you're going to die. You're going to die. And foolish human race turned its back on God, walked into death with all the tragedy that it brought with it. And then you get this strange thing too. The shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. What a strange mixture. Roaring lion. And can I say a weeping lamb? You see, he came into our life. He, he shares our feelings. He's moved with compassion. You see that several times in the Gospels. When he healed some lepers, he said he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Jesus wept. He entered into deep, deep sorrow. It's not like, oh, it's okay, I'm going to heal him in a minute. I'm going to raise him up. It's okay, be okay in a minute. It wasn't like that. It's not like some Father Christmas character who takes the cloak off at the end and just becomes Mr. Bloggs down the corner who's just dressed up. No, he'd come right into it. So it's this mixture of fury and sadness. He's weeping over this terrible thing. But death has come. Jesus wept. He enters into our sorrows. Even though he knew it was going to raise him up. He shares your pain. You may have had a tragic year. You may look back on 2020 and think, oh, I had such high hopes of this year. It's broken my heart. He really stands with you. Jesus wept. He comes right alongside. I love the story, the song we often sing about, he, like the roaring lion, comes out of the grave. Grave can't contain him. What's the first thing he does? He finds Mary. Why are you weeping? That's the first thing the roaring lion says. Why are you weeping? Because Mary's there. Because Jesus is dead. Oh, no, no. At his resurrection, his very first question, why are you weeping? He's going to usher in a heaven where every tear will be wiped away. It's an amazing record. God could say such stunning things about the heavens and the earth, but he says, no, every tear will be wiped away. God knows our frame. He enters into our experience. And then the very last thing I want to speak to you about, his stunning intervention. It's stunning intervention. The actual sign this seventh, final, magnificent sign, the reason the whole story is recorded. Remove the stone. And they say, Lord, you'll stink. You've been dead four days. He says, did I not say to you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. It must have been breathtaking, eh? Walks up to this tomb when they roll the stone away, a stench comes out. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. It's wonderful. He doesn't say corpse, get up. Lazarus. He's been dead four days. He's still Lazarus. And he hears the voice of Jesus. My sheep, hear my voice. Lazarus, come forth. And he gets up and walks out. He is the resurrection and the life. 
He that believes in him, though he die, he shall live. And this is a sign that Jesus has conquered death. In fact, very soon, within a few days of this amazing miracle, Jesus himself will die on a cross. But that's not the end of the story. That's the wonder of it. That they come three days later, and the stone, no one has to roll the stone away, it's been rolled away. And it wasn't rolled away to let him out. He's already out. It's rolled away to show us there's nobody there. Jesus has beaten death. He is the resurrection and the life. Lazarus is alive again. It's his greatest, greatest sign that Jesus performed. And the terrible thing is, the Bible records that the Pharisees and the scribes and the rulers said, we better kill him. The whole world's going after him. It's after this that he makes his great procession into Jerusalem. The people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, here he comes. And the rulers are saying, we've got to kill him. The whole world's going after him. And we'll kill Lazarus as well. That's how darkened the human heart gets. This breathtaking miracle. But it's going to cost Jesus his life. He knew when he went up to Jerusalem that time, the disciples said, don't go, it's dangerous now. There's getting to be more and more hostility to you. He said, no, no, I'm going. I'm going. For this purpose came I to this hour. It's what I came for. The Lamb of God, that's what I came for. I came to take away sin. And when Simon Peter says to him, don't go, don't go, just get behind me, Satan, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to do this great miracle which will make it so abundantly clear that I am God, and they're going to kill me because they realize that's the end of their power. You see, when you suddenly realize Jesus is God, it does something to you. It kind of ends your power to be in charge. That's what it is like to meet Jesus. He, ta he, he takes over. Because why? Well, he breaks your heart. He died for you. But he also excites you. He's roaring back to life. He was born that men no more should die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. Give us a whole new life. Jesus has come to give us life. He is the conqueror. The tomb is empty. Death could not hold him. Jesus conquered death. It's going to happen just a week after this event. He's raised this man to demonstrate who he is. Soon he will be raised. Thousands of people around the world celebrate that wonder. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered death. It's so wonderful to have God with us. I know the first night, I never heard this, but I knew, I knew Jesus had lived. I knew that it's supposed to be some Jesus figure. And I was asked, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? I said, he's supposed to have been raised on the third day, isn't he? And I was told, that means he's alive. I suddenly knew Jesus is alive. I suddenly understood why he came, what he died for. He died to take away our guilt once and for all. So you could actually know, I have no more guilt. He carried it on the cross. He carried the shame. He experienced shame. He was a pure, spotless lamb. And he experienced terrible shame, hanging naked for us. God. God with us. Is God with you? 
Has God been with you in life? It's wonderful. God was with this guy in death. Don't live without God in your life and hope he'll be there in death. It's wonderful to know Jesus. Wonderful he knows Lazarus' name. Lazarus. Does he know your name? It's so wonderful to say, no, he knows my name. I know him. I know he loves me. Lazarus, whom you love, then you. I know. We know. If you, if, if, when God loves you, you know it. Please don't go another day without not knowing so that when the time comes, he can shout your name. The Bible says there's the Lamb's book of life. It has all the names in it. Is your name in it? Is your name in it? God has made it so clear. He sent his son to do miracles, signs, wonders, to die. And now he's offering. You can know forgiveness. You can know newness of life. You can know certainty that you will live even though you die. You will live forever in the glory of God. I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. Lord, I just pray right now, will you help each one who's here and heard what I've had to say today? Oh God, let them at least inquire. When you've paid so dearly, when you're willing to be with us in our home, changing our values, healing our heartbreaks, meeting our profoundest need. Holy Spirit, please come and make these things so real to each one of us. Come into our lives. Glorify your great name. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.